You're listening to Your Best Life, powered by Mercy One. Join us as we have a fun conversation with certified experts and physicians about health topics for you and your family. It's Your Best Life, our one purpose. Summertime means warmer days, sunshine, and spending time outdoors. I love the beach. Oh, I do too. (laughs) But you know what? Not for healthcare professionals always. Summer is known as the trauma season. Uh, Between burns, dehydration, heat illnesses are just a few common conditions that need emergency care. Let's learn more. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. I'm Jenna Renstrom from Mercy One Siouxland Medical Center. And today we're talking about something uh, very familiar to us here at the hospital as we're the area's only level two trauma center. But that is traumas, trauma season. What does that mean? And we have one of the experts here with us today, the uh, medical director of our ER, Dr. Steve Warrington. Thanks for being here, Dr. Warrington. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I uh love talking about it, love educating people about it, and it's it's certainly a topic near and dear to my heart. Um, when it comes to trauma season, first of all, let's talk about what is a trauma. Um, we know kind of on the large scale, um, you know, a mass injury situation, certainly. Yeah. I think people can picture what a trauma means, but talk to us about the range of traumas that you might see in our ER in uh, Sioux City. Of course. So um, first of all, I'll kind of clarify and, and say that we'll limit it to more the physical trauma or the bodily trauma because certainly um, certainly there's a lot of emotional trauma that we see in the emergency department but of course with with talking about this podcast and trauma season we're really focusing on on types of physical injuries and so you know it it really ranges from everything as minor as a dog bite Uh, sometimes dog bites can get bad but even without that an animal bite is still technically a trauma Um, another thing that people don't often think about that we often see is pressure washer injuries so it's pretty common that you'll you'll have a pressure washer and the tip seems a little bit clogged and as you move it um, or move your finger over the tip you accidentally spray it and that actually is a surgical emergency that that's a true trauma you need full-blown antibiotics and and uh, if you're not lucky you, you may actually end up losing your hand over it um, but certainly it ranges from anything more minor seeming like that to your trip and fall um, that winds up with a broken toe to a broken leg all the way to the end of the other end of the spectrum kind of like you said the mass casualties where you have a four car five car multi-car pile up you have people dying at the scene uh, and you have ambulances bringing in sick people calling extra help so kind of the full gambit there we talk about the summer months as being trauma season. What does that mean to a person who's not in the medical field? So trauma, trauma season, you know, there's always going to be accidents. And, there, you know, accidents, unfortunately, are just that they're accidents. But the summer seems to lend itself a lot more to having accidents. And there's a number of reasons for that. You know, everything from people going around in shorts and T-shirts where you don't have 18 layers of clothes bundled up to protect you. And so even bumping against the grill, you know, all of a sudden you have a burn on you or you're walking along in the uh, woods going for a hike because it's a nice day out and you, you brush up against some something and all of a sudden you wind up with a cut that you didn't realize. And again, you don't have the extra layer of clothing to protect your skin. Um, you have people going out swimming and doing outdoor activities. You know, when it's when it's cold out, you might go skiing or, or some of that, but you don't have people wanting to go mountain biking in the, in the winter. You don't have people wanting to go kayaking. Um, the other thing is, is that with it being nice weather, people oftentimes um, go outside and, and enjoy and 
Um, just being outside, I think, lends itself to a little bit of injury and trauma as compared to staying all bundled up inside. Sure. In our part of the world, too, in the Midwest, um, we know farming is such an important um, industry here and also a dangerous one. Can you talk about farming accidents? And, you know, we're getting uh, creeping a little closer to harvest season and there's some there's yeah, always no. concerns in this part of the world. No, it's 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 sad. There's there's been a number of industrial level accidents and, and even though farming is it can even be done on small farms and personal farms there's still these essentially industrial machines that, that can scalp people you can get an arm caught in it you can get your foot chopped off pretty easy um, where I did my training up in Ohio again another very farming community um, the the unfortunate thing is is sometimes you actually have to amputate at the scene and so you might might actually have a physician or um, another type of provider fly out to where you are stuck in a piece of farm equipment and and unfortunately lose your arm in it and, and then be taken into the hospital where you can receive really the rest of your care and, and get it cleaned out really good because that's the other side of it is farming equipment isn't necessarily the cleanest mm -hmm. because it's been through the dirt and been through the, the rugged nature of, of being a farmer. Talk about the process of getting someone who's been in any sort of trauma. Obviously, they may not be in close proximity to our ER or any medical center. Um, how's that process work of um, that person who needs care, getting it on the scene? And then when do you, as uh, the emergency room physician, know that trauma is coming in? Do you have any heads up um, yeah, in, in certain situations? So, you know, it depends on the nature of the trauma and how far away they are uh, on a number of different factors. It can even depend on the weather. So if it's if it's really stormy and rainy um, and you get badly injured, you know, that's that's pretty unfortunate because sometimes it's too bad to fly. We have to get really careful about when to send a helicopter out, but certainly some of these bad accidents, especially on the long highway roads through Iowa with, with stretches of, you know, not much around where you can fly out and land a helicopter. You don't have to take the ambulance all the way out. So we get the call from, uh, or the dispatcher gets the call from 911 and, and they send the ground crew out or the air crew out. Uh, oftentimes it's a ground crew that'll get there first and assess the situation and then the air, air crew will go out afterwards to get the individual and help fly them back. And essentially once they've done their scene assessment, uh, depending on, on how urgent it is, they'll reach out to us. So, you know, you might go out and if it's something fairly straightforward, you know, you broke your arm in a, in a swimming accident, um, you go ahead and you get loaded up and you start driving towards the hospital and the ambulance and on the way in, they'll actually call us and give us a heads up and say, you know, we're about 20 minutes out or 15 minutes out, however far it might be and, and let us know what's going on. On the flip side of that, sometimes, you know, if you're in the back of a helicopter and, and you're trying to save someone's life, it, it literally may be as, as brief as I have a 25 year old, obviously pregnant woman who, um, is going to be a, a trauma level one, which is of course our most severe one. Um, and they'll, they'll say, you know, about how long it is out. And that's, that's about all they, they have to spare because otherwise they're working on saving your life. 
When we do have the benefit of being able to fly a helicopter to a scene, um, we are lucky to have Mercy One Air Med as part of our, our circle of care. What is that, that ability to um, provide care or even triage in the air? What, what, um, what does that give you then as an emergency room physician once they arrive and then they're in your care? No, so it's great. Any, any type of care that can be started, the sooner it can. You know, we talk about the golden hour you know it's not so much of an hour it's it's the idea that that initial care is so so important you know I, i've had a number of cases throughout the last decade where um just the difference in for instance putting a tourniquet you know if you're if you're accidentally cut and badly bleeding um trying to put a tourniquet even using your own belt using uh rope using anything to try and stop the bleeding is literally the difference between life and death um, and so having having EMS and, and trained individuals and certainly taking first aid courses yourself can be the very, very difference of life and death before you get to the hospital. The other big thing is, is that these trained personnel, oftentimes they, they run through very standard questions that we need to know to treat you. So, you know, are you allergic to certain things? They'll also be able to start giving you pain medicine. In some cases, they can even start giving you blood or blood products or ways to reverse it if you're on anticoagulants that are making your blood too thin and keeping you from clotting off one of these bleeding areas. We talked about, you mentioned the level one trauma, and I know there's there's a rating system. And then we are um, here in Siouxland designated as a level two trauma center. Can you tell me a little bit more about what that means, what that means for yeah. our community that so, we're here? So the way I reference it, referenced it before is, is kind of a level one. So even though we're a level two trauma center, we we prioritize you whether you have a quote unquote level one trauma, meaning something that the surgeon needs to be at the bedside with me and that the anesthesiologist needs to make way in the operating room for you. So even though we're a level two trauma center, we might call you a level one trauma because we know that we need to be able to get you into the operating room within the next 10 minutes if we need to. Um, and then kind of moving it down the spectrum from that. As far as the level two formal designated trauma center that we are, you know, it, it's interesting because I've had a lot of people, even other medical professionals, I've had, I've had residents that have graduated medical school that, that interestingly get hung up on this notion of a level one and a level two trauma center. And there really actually isn't that much difference between them. The big difference is number one, generally speaking, you'll see a residency, which is where they train surgeons. So generally speaking, you'll see a surgical residency. Generally speaking, you'll see a little bit more research coming out of a level one trauma center. Um, and then some of the some of the more subspecialties. So for instance, we have neurosurgery here 24 seven. Um, for instance, you know, we, we'll get, um, our, we have hand surgeons that can help take care of you. Um, but there's certain specialties, for instance, like oral maxillofacial surgery, uh, plastic surgery. There are certain subspecialties that we don't have here at the hospital 24 seven. And so it's some of those subspecialties, some of the research, um, there's some of those little things that make the difference between a formal level one and a formal level two trauma center. Uh, but the, really the care is relatively similar between the two. It's good to know. Um, I was thinking, Dr. Warrington, as you were speaking about helicopters flying in, kind of this getting the patient to where they need to be for care. The other side of that are the families uh, making their own way to the hospital. And I know we see this a lot, too, making their way with very little information sometimes. What is that like um, uh, for the perspective from the perspective of the caregiver? How do you then care for those 
families when they come for information and, um, and, and what can be a really terrifying situation. No, it's, it's awful. I mean, because you, you really run the range from saying, you know, we did all these scans and great news, Joe gets to go home with you. I know you just showed up, but he's already ready to go. Um, all the way to the end or other end of the spectrum to say, you know, um, we're very sorry, you know, he unfortunately passed away before you, you made it here. Um, and everything in between, you know, we've, we've had, I've had cases in the past where, um, you know, if it's a pregnant mother, I've had cases where the mother died and we were able to deliver the baby even though she was in the process of dying, you know, so it's, it's mixed news. Um, so it, it's tough and it's also tough because if you're on your way in and you call and ask for information, you know, that potentially puts you at risk of having something bad happen. So I, I always recommend, you know, if you're coming in to, to hear about a loved one, whether or not it's going to be a good outcome that you have someone else drive you. Um, I know that's a silly thing to say, but it, it's so, so crucial because we've seen it before where someone's driving in and they're hurt, trying to hurry or they're speeding or their minds in 15 different places or they're calling everyone else to try and update them. And now you have a second in second injury or a second victim or something else really bad happens and you hit a pedestrian um so it's really crucial that as you come in you know try and try and find someone else that's a little bit less attached to the situation that can give you a safe ride and then on the ride you can try and make those phone calls you can try and update family you can try and call for resources to say you know um aunt joan you know i'm going to the hospital because bob was in a wreck but you know our dog's at home and he needs crated and he needs fed because again even that's a big thing the amount of times i have people come in and their pets are, are at home and they'll say well i have to leave or i have to make arrangements for my pets and that's that's understandable, but um, trying to have someone drive you, I think, is really crucial when you're coming to the hospital to hear about someone. I would add, too, that's where our spiritual care team um, is part of of the response mm -hmm. to families. And, you know, it's um, not just the medical professionals, but certainly people with different skills and, and abilities to Walk yeah. through that no, process. It's with a our massive, families. massive team. I mean, it, I, I guess that's another big um, underrepresentation is how how much of a team gets involved. Because, like you said, you'll have a chaplain, uh, you have your nurses, you have your physician, you have your secretaries who are making phone calls to call out to the other providers that might need to come in, the surgeons that might need to come in. You name it. You have security who need to cordon off the areas. So, for instance, in a gang shooting, you want to make sure that the emergency department's locked down so you don't have a retaliatory shooting coming in. Um, you have your local security. You also have police in the area that get involved. You have your ambulance crews that get involved. You have your surgeons, your anesthesiologists, your nurses in the operating room. You have your central supply that are cleaning the equipment for you to make sure that everything's fresh. You, you have your um, maintenance staff and your cleaning crew in the hospital because really once you have a trauma happening, you have to make sure another room's fresh, clean, sterile, and ready to receive another trauma if you need it. Like It truly is a massive orchestrated process. Very impressive and yes, a lot of moving parts. Uh, we've talked about kind of the the worst and then there's also those cases I know, like you mentioned, um, an earache at 2 a.m., uh, a high fever, you know, I think of my own uh, little kids who have illnesses that pop up at the most inconvenient of times and there is a place for those in the ER as well. Can you talk about sort of the the other range of trauma care that's maybe um, not as urgent but it seems like it when no, when your person needs a little higher you know, level it's, of care. It's funny my uh, I, I have a five-year-old daughter and 
um, I I accidentally learned at home that um, I need to put on my doctor persona sometimes when I deal with my my wife and my daughter. My do- my wife's not in healthcare, and I'll never forget. You know, when my daughter was probably three four months old, and she had one of her first fevers, and my wife said to me, you know, oh she got her fever back. And I, I said, okay, well, you know, the Tylenol isn't going to cure the fever; it's just just covering it up. And that clearly was not the right response. <laughs> telling telling your wife that Tylenol does not cure fevers was not appropriate. Um, Especially with and, for a new mom. Exactly. I would agree. But you know, it's 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 scary. And you know, I've been through that myself where, you know, even as a physician, you know, I have things where my daughter had something happen and I don't know what's wrong and so it's it's truly scary anything even minor like that where that first fever though like you you know like we talked about or um you know another instance is you know daughter fell down hit her tooth and all of a sudden she has bleeding around the gum the tooth that's technically a trauma you know she's you know 18 months old and she falls and now all of a sudden there's some blood in her mouth and you you got to start wondering are you going to lose the tooth are you going to have tooth issues are you going to have growth developmental issues um with the secondary teeth coming in um and so part of that is in in the emergency department you know if you have your young kiddo get their tooth knocked out then we start thinking okay is this a primary tooth or is this an adult tooth if it's an adult tooth we try and put it back in we try and save the tooth but even something minor like that it's certainly a trauma certainly something we deal with even though it may just be something as simple as coming in we rinse the tooth off sometimes we put it in a special solution for a little bit rinse out the mouth um, and then get you going home with close follow-up with your dentist to make sure that they can make sure it's healing appropriately. What would be your advice, Dr. Warrington? Sometimes, um, you know, maybe a cut at home, you think, well, I, I, I don't really want to go into the ER, but it seems like the bleeding isn't, isn't stopping. Yeah. How can we sort of think through those decisions or what should people do at home if they're if they're on the fence? Do I right. need to go to the ER or can I so, wait till tomorrow? So the first thing I want to stress to everyone, um, and I, I stress to everyone in the emergency department too, is that my, my thought of an emergency is going to be very different than your thought of an emergency and very different than everyone else's thought of an emergency. And so if there's something that you're worried about, you're truly, you're concerned, you're thinking about it, you're wondering what's going on, we're here. You know, um, by all means, you know, there's times that you might consider an urgent care instead, um, you know, but a lot of those times it's it's tough to say, you know, if you're debating and you're wondering, you know, the way I tell people is, you know, are you going to be able to sleep easy tonight? Mm. If you're not, if you're still going to be wondering and you're going to lay there restless and wondering, you probably should get it checked out. Um, as far as where to get it checked out, you know, again, the emergency department, it's always here. It's always open. You never have to worry. You know, if it's the middle of the day and you say, well, it's not that bad, you know, well, it's X, Y, Z, um, you know, certainly urgent cares are out there. Now we're in the era of having telehealth on our smartphones and taking pictures to a doctor in a different, you know, state even and, and having them help give us advice. But there's a number of different opportunities. And what I love to your point, Dr. Warrington, what I love about our um, what I love about our ER is that if you can't think through that right decision, if you come in, there are experts there. That can help you make those decisions. Everything from a bee sting to should you need the experts um, for a larger trauma. The that needs the anti venom, or even wondering was this the rat? Was this the um, you know the coral snake, or was this one of its mimickers? And do I actually need the anti venom, or do I do I just need a you know rinsing it out and making sure it doesn't get infected? Um, so I've had everything from animals to 
um, cleaning rockfish and, and getting stabbed by it, walking in dirty water and getting cuts in, in the St. John's down in Florida. Um, you name it, it's, it's probably come across. And so don't be ashamed. You're, you're probably not the first person to have something silly happen. And by all means, if you were out drinking and you thought that you could Superman yourself off the truck, well, I've seen that too. And we're happy to take care of you and make sure you didn't break something and make sure you didn't have something really bad happen and get you feeling better. Very good. Any final thoughts, Dr. Warrington, as we wrap up our conversation? Wonderful um, advice and, and just perspective on what you do. Really appreciate it. Yeah, that. no, no. I, I think that, you know, probably one of the biggest things that I can say is, is any type of you know, first aid, any type of lessons that you can have is is helpful. You know, like I said, I've, I've unfortunately seen someone pass away because they just didn't realize that if they put the tourniquet on that they, they would have made it to the ER. Um, you know, everything, you know, drowning, um, it's it takes a, a split second. That's, you know, accidents are accidents. Um, so swimming lessons for kids, first aid, um, any any types of those educational courses, you know, oftentimes you can find them free or relatively cheap in the communities. Um, I, I would really advise trying to get through as many of those as possible or, or refreshing them or, or going to them if you have a free day or free afternoon. Great advice. Thank you for all you do for us at Mercy One and for the community. Appreciate our conversation. Oh, thanks for having me. Always happy. We want to hear your feedback as always, so send us your feedback by emailing podcast at mercyhealth.com or fill out the submission form at mercyone.org slash podcast.